Hello, welcome to the Geeks Unleashed Late to the Party Book Club. This is episode 14. 14? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was prepared for 14. Um, so this is our Geeks Unleashed Book Club podcast. In addition to our weekly podcast, uh, we kind of didn't really do much with the book club this year, but this is our annual Christmas episode. And our annual Christmas book club episode, we always cover Scott Pilgrim. So here we are with Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness, which is uh, volume three of the series. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And as usual for our Christmas episode, we are joined by Robbie from Pop Culture Philosophers. Thank you for joining hey. us. What is up? Happy to be here. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas. I know. Yeah. I, know I, do yeah. I do feel like <laughs> I do feel like this is Christmas time now. Like this is uh I think I think it's quite nice actually. Like Christmas, trees are up, lights are up, presents are getting put under the tree, you know. Everyone's sort of I wouldn't say I'm winding down for work. I'm busier than ever, but you know, kind of kind of trying to wind down. And then we pull off the shelf. <laughs> Scott, Pil- Scott Pilgrim, which is now slowly becoming a tradition. So, <laughs> a Christmas tradition. A Christmas tradition. <laughs> yes. so. Everybody's well, got those, those traditions that just happen. You know, like I know people yeah. that watch Lord of the Rings every Christmas for some reason or Harry Potter or they watch like Star Trek is a thing to me. I associate with Christmas. They I am wearing them. a Star Trek t-shirt right now. But look at that. This was, <laughs> this was meant to be. And Scott Pilgrim is a holiday tradition now. Yeah, it's it literally started by accident where we were like when the book club first started, I was like chatting to Robbie. This is when we actually didn't really know each other. How weird is that? So um we think we I can't remember what we did for the first episode, but we did V for Vendetta and I remember chatting with Robbie about books that he hadn't read and Scott Pilgrim was one of the ones. Um and then so we did Scott Pop scott pilgrim volume one for our third episode mm-hmm. and then a year later episode 13 we're back for volume two and then in uh december 2022 we are back for volume three so what are we going to do in four years robbie when we when we're done so, so. i guess we'll start over in black and white <laughs> <laughs> Or we could pick some of Brian Lee's other books rather than just re um So anyway, um, there's a variety of characters in this book. And actually, Robbie, before we start recording, did highlight there's a good doubles page spread. But the, there are many characters now. There's sort of 10 characters, although there's several main characters. But mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim, Nigel Chell, Wallace Wells, Scott's roommate, Ramona Flowers, there's various others, Lynette, Julie, Stephen, the evil ex-boyfriend of this book is Todd, Envy uh, Adams, whose real name is Natalie, which she hates, and uh, young Neil. So <laughs> uh, I love that he's called young Neil. I think it's great. So you need a young Neil around. He's like the same age as the rest of them. They call him <laughs> young Neil. <laughs> um, I, know, I know Jasmine is why well, I always call her the queen of summary. So... Uh, do you want to quickly summarize? I mean, it's a lot more of the same to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. it is the we're doing Todd as the evil ex in in this one. Yeah. Um, and I, to me though, there's not very much of the evil ex battles that I liked in the first two volumes. But uh, yeah, it's a lot more Natalie. So it's it, this one is a bit more dramatic. So it's a lot of Natalie and the drama going around. Oh, excuse me, envy. It's it's a lot of envy <laughs> and all of the drama going around with envy. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's that's my summary. <laughs> it's a lot of envy <laughs> in this one. 
before, before we get started, I, I think it's quite nice to, we were, again, we were talking about this before we started, but, but for those people that are listening or watching on YouTube, uh, how, Robbie, how did you read Scott Pilgrim? I read it in the uh, paperback color edition. So it's book two, but it actually has books three and four in it. So I had to, okay. before we went live, if you remember, I had to verify the ending yeah. of the book. <laughs> <laughs> did you skip ahead a little bit then? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Um, and Jasmine, how did you read it? I actually read this one in black and white, um, but I read the first two volumes in color. So it was going backwards that way was not a letdown, but it was definitely didn't have the same impact. I think uh, reading it not in color since I was already used to reading it in color. So that was it was different. There's a little joke in volume three about how when Ramona dyes her hair. Yes. In the in, in the color one, in the color one, it says this joke's a lot better in black and white. So, uh, uh, I read this in the uh, hardback color edition as well. So, um, as I've, I've I've like these are actually I'll show you I'll show you people on YouTube anyway. So I've got volume one, and uh, there's volume two, and volume three. And I, I've got, I've got all six, which took me a while to get because they're not the cheapest of books. So uh, I used to have the black and white years ago, but when I got mm -hmm. these color ones, I sold them all off. And uh, I love, I love these hardbacks. They're uh, now on my bookshelf, which I yeah. managed to sneak, managed to sneak a bookshelf into the front room. Which, uh, <laughs> uh, my wife wasn't overly joyed about, but it showed up, <laughs> showed up last week. So, <laughs> How did uh, this get here? I have no idea. We're just going to keep uh, it though. Unfortunately, uh, she was out, and when I showed up with it, she was in. Uh, so uh, I'd planned on doing all of it while she was out. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, now there's a, a bookshelf in the living room full of graphic novels. So uh, I was like, as there should be, Mark. As there should. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I was like, I'm done with leaving these in the garage in my wardrobe. They are now going in the front room. I think it's time. So time, I've matured. So, <laughs> I'm matured enough. I've to get upgraded these out. myself to bookcases. Yeah, yeah, I've upgraded <laughs> myself to bookcases. But anyway, I, no, I'm just always curious. I think it's nice to know how we've read the the material we're going to talk about. So, um, I think before we talk about even the story, it's good good to talk about the artwork itself. So, and I guess with me and Robbie, we can talk about the coloring. Mm -hmm. um, Jasmine will have to leave you out. Uh, That's fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robbie, like, what did you think on the artwork and, and the coloring? Well, pretty much as I've been saying over these last couple of years, what I'm loving about each volume is that the artwork tightens up. It gets a lot better and he gets to experiment a lot more. It's very simple in the, the early volumes, but then when the fighting and the more zany, crazy nature of the story gets introduced, the artwork gets very dynamic. And some of the fight scenes are crazy. The characters are incredibly expressive and that's getting better. And the storytelling quality is tightening up as well. He started doing a lot of like real life referencing in part two for some of the backgrounds and stuff. Like when dude's skateboarding down that staircase or whatnot. And there's more of that here. There's more world building. Each character has a distinctive look. And a lot of people that have a very simple kind of cartoony line style, a lot of the characters will look the same. It's kind of like that Simpsons kind of flair where all the characters kind of look the same. That's not the case here, even though there are certain things and elements like they all have the same type of expressive giant eyes and, mm -hmm. and just the, the proportion. But like Envy is completely different than Kim and Kim's mm -hmm. completely different than Ramona and Knives. And they all have their very distinctive look 
So I think that O'Malley's doing a fantastic job of, of leveling up like Scott Pilgrim does volume to volume. And the coloring is, is really good. You could mm-hmm. easily just use some flat colors on something like this, but the way that it's Nathan Fairbairn, right? The way that the colors add like gradients, they add texture and they actually add shape and depth, which is, which is really astounding to me. The, I, I, I read this the first time when it came out in black and white. And that was like when it, when it, when they first released So reading them again in color, it's, it is a, a more, like more developed kind of feel to the world. I love the coloring. It affects the mood because this is the moody one. This is the moody volume because it's the infinite sadness. Right. And we're, we're learning about Scott's, you know, depression, depressive past and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And the colors accentuate that like crazy. And I do love the bit where we actually see what Ramona's hair color looks like. And it does say this joke doesn't work as good in color as it did in the black and white. <laughs> but I, I love the art. I think it's just getting better and better. And the layouts, the the storytelling, everything about it, even like the weird trippy scenes where he likes the evil dead two scene where the deer head starts coming to life and laughing yes. and stuff like that. Like it's got an energy, but it's got um, a closeness to it as well. So it's not just zany, crazy, wild, dynamic fun. It's also got, a really good core of who these people are, and they're very well-rounded characters visually. It is Nathan Fairburn, by the way, who did the uh, the, uh, the coloring. So um, I agree with you. Like I think, because if you think about Volume One, how it was subtle that we were essentially these characters are almost when it, well when I read it, I try to almost imagine that these are video game characters, and that we're a bit like um, Wreck It Ralph that we're seeing. Um, the behind the scenes of the fight scenes so like the fight scenes are probably like in a video arcade somewhere but we're seeing the scenes be- between the fight scenes that's kind of how i sometimes imagine it but like in volume three he's fully embraced the the sort of video game nature of these books and and like you just said the the craziness and the zaniness of it all so like with the uh the techno arm uh, you know, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so we're seeing a lot more detail and, and crazy craziness as well. But I I love the I do honestly love the coloring of this book, and I love how it shifts and changes between what we've got and it embraces the as well the cartoon cartooniness of it, a bit like um sort of nineteen sixties uh, uh, the Batman TV show, you know, like here where it's got suck just written across the the page here, just reminds me of like you know. Um, uh, Adam West with the pal and the bam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm really enjoying that. But I, I love how it shifts between what we're reading in the present to when we're doing the flashbacks as well, how the, the complete style changes, like the artwork changes as well. Like, look at this, this rainfall here. Um, mm. What about you, Jasmine? I like... I think like Robbie said, like the detailing gets a bit better. So the fight scenes, like uh, that first fight scene where Todd throws Scott through the brick wall, um, just like there's, there's, it feels like there's nothing missing, even though I don't have, I didn't read this one in color. Like you can still see like the bricks and the motion of him going through the wall. So I do appreciate that the details do get better as the volumes keep going. Um, But I really did miss not having the color especially because I know Ramona's hair changes all the time. So I don't get all of the the fun quirks. I think 
you still get the same story, but I think it's just when when it's in black and white, it doesn't have the same quirky feel as the color versions do. I imagine it was probably done in black and white due to keeping costs down, but Scott Pilgrim has obviously been very successful, so they were able to keep releasing it in many formats and introduce color uh, as they have with The Walking Dead. So, uh, um, so what did you guys threat? So you know, like when Volume Two happened, we had a massive flashback sequence at the beginning with Scott Pilgrim and um, introducing his his life before he moved, um, and you know, we, we had flashbacks similarly. Mm-hmm. in volume three but it wasn't at the beginning it was kind of dotted throughout yeah I, I i sometimes found it a little bit jarring initially i had to sort of double check a couple of times but what did you guys think about the flashbacks right, Robbie, do you want to go first yeah i i love the flashbacks because it develops this this history right and it and it it adds to this world building and you know usually when we talk about world building in comics or something we're talking about like building up these big lands and all these kingdoms. We're talking about mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, yeah. you know, building up a fantasy world. Sometimes it's about building up the world of regular 20-somethings in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. Even building it up with the quirky things like the fact that they like in Canada, nobody knows that in America you have all they can do all this crazy stuff, right? And like there's little elements in there. Um, but I love those flashbacks because it does develop out not just the backstory for Scott but the backstory for everybody else around him and the mm-hmm. previous two volumes, people that were just seemed like they were just going to be side characters mm-hmm. to, to support Scott, you know, narratively, they actually become real fleshed out characters. Everybody has their, their own thing. And in Scott's flashbacks, we find out things about other people from that time as well. Yeah. And I love learning more about Scott. And I also love in this one that, they're starting to integrate Ramona more as an essential figure to the story, but not so much like, you know, she's not just the quest for Scott at the end. She becomes a a force on her own in this book. And then she's going to start having a lot of flashbacks and stuff too. So like, I really like how they start kind of basically splitting the focus into two main characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that really kind of starts here. And you had mentioned Jasmine that there's not a lot of fighting so much in this one, but, there is. It's just like there's that awesome envy knives Ramona battle, you know. And Scott's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I missed it. They fought. Oh man. <laughs> but you know, I, I I actually like the flashbacks because, and that's something that's going to continue because this is a backstory that we need to know, not just to build up Scott's character or Ramona's character, but why Scott was where he was in the beginning, why he was dating knives, why he was in, why he lived. You know, he's got a sad life, y'all. But he's got kind of a positive attitude about it. But there's something there. And I think that's where those flashbacks is where the story gets incredibly subtle sometimes, I think. I, no, I, I was going to say, like, I, I think that I liked the flashbacks. I just found initially um, had to double check that I was now in a flashback just like each time it happened. So, yeah. um, well, I also like that they don't, you know, be like, you know, 33 years ago boom yeah yeah they do like these little techniques like with this one where it's like they were 11 you know and yeah so i i really like that and by the way he i love that todd pulls that same moon trick with every chick he's trying to talk to (laughs) (laughs) uh what about you did you like jasmine did you like the flashbacks yeah i think they're helpful uh normally it's it's kind of like putting something like in a big chunk of flashback is 
one thing, but I did appreciate the way that it's like every every section we kind of get some sort of flashback. So then I don't have to go back pages to be like, wait a minute, but wait, did did this already happen or when? So the way that they do it, it 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 is a bit jarring, but mm-hmm. the way that they do it, I think it works. Um, they they use it to great effect. I would say in, I prefer this one. style. I prefer this yeah. style to the previous one. Although I can understand why they did the previous one because there's quite a lot to tell in the first volume mm-hmm. of the flashback. But I actually did quite like that. Every time it felt like every time something really like I don't know cool was happening in the present, all of a sudden you were quickly pulled away from it because that kept you wanting to carry on going because you were like. I want to, you know, they were kind of trying to tie the flashbacks to present day events sometimes or um, almost put a pause between something happening of yeah. like something crucial happening in the present. A bit a bit like a bit like if you're watching a TV show, like you'd have to wait till the following week or something. But you've mm-hmm. just got to wait two or three pages to come back and find out what's going to happen. So I, I, I enjoyed the breaks of the flashbacks and they felt like... Um, it was sort of just teased his origin, essentially his origin and everyone else's origins. So, uh, yeah, and I think it was good to find out more about these people you're reading because one of the one of the things we both, what well, we all mentioned, was the cast has massively uh, increased since book one started. I think book one, the focus was very much on Knives, Wallace, uh, Scott, and Ramona, and now there's actually got quite a big cast now mm-hmm. although some people are still kind of one note a little bit like young neil and stuff but <laughs> <laughs> like, uh the cast is definitely growing and there was more people to tell the story of so like like envy and and um and todd and stuff so um we've kind of sort of talked about how there is a bigger cast but uh robbie you just said as well that ramona has moved from book one you know to becoming the quest and I, I did notice this as well in, in book three, that she's now becoming a main character. The mm-hmm. fact that she got five sequences on her own. I just wanted to gather like what our, both our thoughts were, because I, I finished this book still thinking, Scott's still a bit of a loser. Like I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I just don't get the appeal. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's in a band, but he doesn't work. He doesn't he like shares his his flatmate's bed. You know, he's going out for meals with his new girlfriend, paying for it on his be- on his best mate's credit card. Like, <laughs> and I just like I thought I don't get the appeal. Like I, I can't imagine being 23. Like <laughs> Like, and girls falling at my feet while I'm sharing my my mate mate's bed, pay it using his credit card, not paying for shit. And like, <laughs> I don't know, like, like I just kind of wanted to get. Um, well, just first of all, Robbie, what's your thoughts on Scott himself at, I mean, at this point? I I think he, he's he is a loser, obviously, and uh, he's got some things going on. But I've known plenty of dudes, and even in portions of my life. Yeah. For some reason, you just have this irresistible charm, and all of a sudden, you're attracting a lot of a lot of people to you, right? And it's it's yeah. weird. I've seen this happen uh, in my life with myself, but mostly with other people. Where you're just like, how does that dude get all these like women interested in him? He's a <laughs> loser, and he's terrible. That is right? exactly what I said before we started recording. I was like, how does anyone want to be with Scott Pilgrim? I have I just don't understand it at all. I think because there's an innocent charm to him. Right. And and obviously Ramona's in a spot, which that's going to get developed as the series progresses of why she is in the place where she's in. Right. But one of the things I love about it is the relationship between Scott and Ramona, to me, feels incredibly authentic because it's even as it's going, 
it's it's awkward, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you meet someone and very quickly start dating, well, you can just you can be a few weeks into it, you still don't really know that person, and there are these awkward kind of bits. And Scott does not have game, right? No, just not, got, not at all. Just got some <laughs> kind of appeal, and even <sighs> even Ramona tells me, you know, you're a loser, but you're kind of a cutish loser, you know, uh-huh. or something like that, right? So that's what it is. But on the other side, you know, we were talking about how he's not very much a heroic figure in one and two. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is a whole series of books, but in this one, he starts doing the right thing. He starts changing a little bit. Like when he goes and consoles knives, cause usually he just yeah. would, he just ignores her. Right. Like mm-hmm. she tells him in what book two that she loves him. And he's like, yeah, I think we need to break up. Yeah. He's just not a good dude, but now he's there trying to help her and not for his own gain. You know what I'm I saying? Actually, I actually thought that was a nice scene, what you were yeah. just talking about, when he sat with knives in the alleyway. And mm-hmm. um, Although she took it the wrong way, but it still was his intentions were nice and honorable there, I thought. Yeah, and I'll tell you so. this, though. If, if, you're, if you're in a new relationship with someone, one thing that you probably don't want to do is be a complete neurotic mess when your ex comes around, because that... I mean, you're not over <laughs> some stuff yet, and that doesn't make Ramona feel very well. But I love that they're on the flip side. There's Todd, the evil vegan. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that he's an evil vegan. <laughs> oh man, uh, vegan well, superpowers! Yeah. Wow. You tell me, gelato's got milk in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jazzy, what about your thoughts on Scott? Is it similar to ours, or uh, have you got a different view? No, I I do think he's a loser. Like I just I don't I don't see the appeal. Um, I don't know. I as a woman on the podcast, no, you know, like, if you at, were t- if you were twenty three and you met Scott Pilgrim, would you fall at his feet? Absolutely not. Uh, but like <laughs> at at fourteen or fifteen, maybe right. Yeah. But like at twenty three, that's that's where the disconnect is for me. I'm like twenty twenty three. I was already graduated from college. Like there's no freaking way. Like I. We are way past, way past that. Like, yeah. so no, I don't. That, that's that's always what I think about as I read through the volumes. I'm just like, this guy's already 23. Like, if if we were still in high school, like when they do the flashbacks, I can completely see like how he's a total idiot and doesn't really understand anything. But like at 23, that's not cute anymore. <laughs> Well, and me. don't forget though, he is the best fighter in the province. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, but I mean, Robbie, you have to sit through so much to get to that though. <laughs> but yeah, that is something they all blow his trumpet about. Is that how what yeah. a good fighter he is? Yeah. He's like, yeah, that that that's probably the one thing he's got going for him. He is the best fighter. Um and anyway, as we said, Ramona has stepped up her game as sort mm-hmm. of from conquest to actually one of the the front runners of this book and the book isn't now just solely about scott and to be honest the book isn't solely about ramona as well i think envy got a good chunk of this book as well which i quite liked in fact i mean envy is on my cover here so envy did have a good chunk of storytelling to be honest but ramona for me i i enjoyed her interactions with wallace and and scott and i love that she's kind of got more take charge than scott like you know cuts his hair and um even her fight scenes as well i thought were brilliant like she pulls out that hammer like out of the mary poppins style bag and (laughs) just just goes nuts and and i i think she's very much can stand her own and uh, you know and does have that take charge energy and i think she's quite i don't know like although her career it's quite weird to read this 
considering Amazon how big it is now, like how she was the only Amazon delivery person in Canada, in, in wherever they were in Canada. Like, and now there's probably you know, two or three of them that live in every street now in in uh, you know Canada. So uh, like I, I actually just remember in the volume one, like uh, Scott goes to what's what's that website again? He's like Amazon.ca. Like, you know, like, as it, like no one had heard of it. It's quite weird how times moves on reading these books. But, um, Robbie, what's your thoughts on Ramona herself? Uh, Ramona's my favorite character in the entire series. Um, I, I love her. I think she's adorable. If I was a 23-year-old loser, I would be at her feet. I'll tell you that. Like, <laughs> there's just something mysterious and cool about her. And then by book three, she's becoming more ingrained into Scott's world, right? Mm. And she's starting to develop her own relationships with these people. I love that he freaks out that she hangs out with his sister and stuff like that. And I, I love her so much in this book. Like she becomes so much more of an important figure and we're starting to learn more about her past. And it's not just about like we were saying, Scott and his goal to like to, to con conquer <laughs> and Ramona at the end of the night or whatever. She is definitely the, the, the leader of that relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there are plenty of relationships that I see like that where, and then there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody takes different roles and there are different relationships. But I love, I love, I think it's charming. They're like cute, weird love that they have. And and she's trying to like give them hints that, you know, you can be better at this. You, you know, you can not sleep on your roommates. You don't, you couldn't, you could not share a bed with your gay roommate. You know, <laughs> that might be cool. And uh, there's some real honest moments, especially, I think the most honest moments in this book come from Ramona and for instance, when she's just like pissed at Scott that night and then Wallace is like, hey, he's got to sleep, stay with you because I just picked up this dude. Mm -hmm. And it's an awkward it's an awkward night, you know, and Scott like wakes up and he has he's like, I'll just go ahead and leave. But Ramona's not just she's not knives. Right. Mm -hmm. She is yeah. way more developed and way more understanding of who she is and who her place is. And I just think she's adorable. I love the hair color change. I love the style. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm telling you, man, if Ramona walked in my life, I'd be head over heels, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree with you about the mystery. I would do want to know more about her character. It's been subtly hinted at throughout mm -hmm. three volumes. You said that flashbacks happen for her beyond volume three. So I'm keen to see her, more of her background, like what they quiet. They keep, keep alluding to this background for her. Uh, and I agree with you. Like Ramona probably is that cool chick that I would have dated or wanted to date. Pro I probably would have got nowhere near her, but <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I probably would have said no chance at 23. But, but yeah, like I, I would be intrigued by this girl who dyes her hair multiple colours and rollerblades around and has mm -hmm. a mysterious past and energy from new york i'd, I'd be keen so like, uh, she's not you, from new york she only lived there oh for a couple sorry years. sorry she stayed there briefly yeah, yeah, yeah. I, for <laughs> I forgot about that uh what about you jasmine um yeah i i like that she's blunt honestly mm -hmm. like I, I like that she's very much like no that's really not how this is gonna work or like she she's always that person that like pops the bubble um so i i love the the snark i'm trying to get out of the sun here uh the snark that she brings to like all the conversations so she to me is probably the snappiest character um in in the series so far that we've come across and that i appreciate because scott kind of has like that even keel like Everything he does is very 
all like on the same level. Whereas Ramona comes in and like, I don't know, she just seems like she's a step ahead of everybody else. Um, and so it's, it's always fun to watch her interact with people because to me, she reacts the way that I, I react. It's like, so as the reader, like, because, you know, we have a bigger picture of what, what's going on. So when she says something, it's like, that's what I was thinking while I was reading this too. Um, so she really feels like she is kind of coming at you from the reader's perspective. So it's, it's always fun, um, to me to kind of see what she's going to say or to guess what she's going to say next. Also, there's like this, the sequence where she's fighting, um, with, oh, Envy. Mm -hmm. And like, I swear, she looks like she's wearing a Miss Marvel costume. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's like intentional or what. She has this purse that has a star on it that kind of looks like Captain America's shield. And then, I don't know, her, she, it's, it's a very like Marvel vibe going on there. It's, it's bizarre. I don't know. Let me see if I can find a page number. We're all no, flipping through the books now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a scene right where Scott like finds Envy's, you know, hidden spot behind her knee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I and, love that she doesn't want to know about that. She's like, yeah. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. When we were making out, she, no, no, stop. Yeah. Stop. Like, Oh, she does look just like Miss Marvel. And then more like the Kamala, right? A yeah, little... isn't that crazy? And Kamala hadn't even been created at that point. Yeah. So, so yeah. Dude, so maybe they pull their inspiration from Scott Pilgrim. Who knows? Yeah. She's got the leggings, the little skirt. And yeah, you're right. It looks oh, like... Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. right, right here. Yeah, right yeah. here. Yeah. So, po- podcast people, you'll have to go to YouTube. But uh, oh, See, in but... color, maybe not so much because the colors are off. But like in black and white, she 100% looks like Miss Marvel. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Ramona's so cool. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. She was ahead of the curve. She was Miss Marvel before there was Miss Marvel. So, she she knew that shit that they were gonna pull with the Young Avengers, like and uh, like. Oh no, she wasn't in the Young Avengers, was she? Champions, champions. There you go. I don't think she was a Young Avenger, was she? Um. Anyway. Um. <laughs> There's some, as, as we were going, Robbie, reading these books, there's one thing that really, really kept jumping out at me. Um, <laughs> do you think these books age well? We've got gay references. We've got, I would say some, I wouldn't say they're racist, but they're, I, I, I thought the comment noble Asians really jumped out at me uh, as a potentially things that, Maybe not so much appropriate now. Uh, what are your thoughts, Robbie, on how well these books have aged in terms of their descriptions of people? I think they age just fine because it's capturing a period of time, right? Yeah. It's almost like when you watch a movie like Days and Confused or Clerks or any of these kind of slice of life movies that capture the vibe of an era. Like yeah. That's what it is. And I don't think there's anything mean-spirited. Oh, no, no, I don't, I don't. Exactly. And I think that, you know, Back in the back in the aughts, I guess that's what we call them now, right? The aughts. <laughs> back in the aughts, this is this is how people talked, you know, and this is how people referenced each other. And, the, yeah. and it's also a way, like for instance, be like, hey, this is my gay roommate. That is something somebody would have said back then, mm-hmm. but it's also showing an acceptance of it, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody seems to be bothered by it. In fact, one of my favorite, another one of my favorite characters in this is that what I don't remember the dude, but he's like a gay dude who's somebody's friends, and he just like is so catty and snarky and he's just always under his breath insulting everybody except for Todd. He's so hot. He's amazing or something like that. (laughs) So I, I actually like it. And if you look at the comics of the time, 
this would have been considered at that time a little bit more inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. And so I understand that we can look at it with today's lens and and I understand and I the thing is social revolutions are a progression that never stops, mm -hmm. right? We we can always improve how we relate and communicate with other people and respond and 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 reference other people, right? So I think it ages just fine because it does capture that time and it doesn't do anything to me in a mean, in a mean spirited way. And I find it has a very authentic kind of natural vibe to it. And it, it's also because it's, it comes across so zany. It doesn't feel as like those bits aren't connected to any of the really heavy shit. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think it ages fine for what it is, but I also lived through the odds. If you're like a 17 year old reading this today, you might have a completely different experience. Oh yeah, I can imagine because everybody now gets so offended by everything. <laughs> uh, I think our generation, you know, we 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 went through. We kind of, you know, I guess my parents' generation were happy happy to be offensive about everything, and um, <laughs> and uh, I think we were kind of just off of that generation. So we were like in the middle. We some of us would get offended, some of us wouldn't, and um, now everybody just gets offended. I I. I happily, you know, had friends that spoke like this, you know, this wasn't, you know, this was a normal, like you just said, a normal part of life. But, um, and I, I can't tell this story now on a podcast, but I, <laughs> well, no, but no, I worked with someone who would say extremely offensive things. This is about even eight years ago. And like, I, like me and my wife talk about it now saying like that guy would never survive in today's working environment even eight years ago um and it's things have progressed and i've got no problem with reading this now of that generation i just it would be crazy to see people now talking like that you know like oh this is my gay, gay friend or whatever you know people wouldn't people would be horrified in today's world but back then this is kind of how people did speak so yeah well there's also there's there's this part nowadays where it's almost like it's not offensive, I think, to understand that somebody is in some way different than you, right? And like people don't want to even point that out because they think that that's revealing something inside. And, and like, no, like that's how our brains work. We differentiate, like, mm -hmm. you know, like that's what we do. We look at something, we differentiate it from other things. But it's, <laughs> if people read this today, I think the most offensive thing would be the, the uh, personification of vegans. That's what yeah, really yes. people in the tip <laughs> yes. today. Oh, oh, Jasmine, what about yourself? Did you, how do you think it aged? Oh, I still think, like, I remember reading the first one. And when we did that episode of Book Club, it was kind of like, I feel like these are conversations that I have had with friends in mm -hmm. the past. Like, this, the dialogue seems like some stuff that I would have said at some point when I was this age. You know what I mean? Like, it, it definitely felt, and I guess because we're all the same age, like, it, it feels very reminiscent of when I was younger. So it still feels that way, um, the way that they all interact with each other. And I, I, again, like looking at it from when I was living through that time, it seems fine to me. Like, but yeah, I could definitely, I could a hundred percent see vegans having a problem with Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yes. I'd love to know. I'd love to know if somebody early twenties was to read this or their thoughts were. So, um, Anyway, <clears throat> with video games, I don't know why. I don't know why this popped in my head. Do you remember uh, Streets of Rage? You, you remember, Robbie. You were a Sega Genesis fan. So, 
I got uh, that on my Genesis Mini right now. Streets of Rage 2, I think, is on there. So yeah. Uh, did did you play Streets of Rage, Jasmine? No, I never played that one. Do you know what do you know what I'm talking about though? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like um with each level, uh, the game progressed in terms of hardness. Obviously, there was a boss at the end of every level. Now, these books, if you were to obviously apply the, the video game rules, uh, each each one gets harder. This, this book, to me, kind of felt like it, it doubled it up with having Ramona had Envy and obviously Scott had Todd. Just what are our thoughts on has this game progressed in terms of hardness, in, ter- you know, in terms of... <laughs> end level bosses for this level <laughs> so uh, Robbie do you think they've got harder yeah well, I think, the bosses got harder I think definitely because like if you look in back to book one he takes that dude out so easily yes right? yeah. like yes. yeah and then in the second one you know we have that thing and and he kind of tricks the guy because he can't handle the actor right he's no there's yeah. no way he's gonna be able to take him so he has to trick him he has to get smart right and this one Scott's screwed man like yeah. if it wasn't for that random ban coming in to like help them out and i love that they bring that band back like that band that like killed the audience before they open on like the previous oh yeah on the first one yeah and then like they show up and they got these like glowing hands they don't even use instruments anymore and like <laughs> like they've leveled up they've like reached and attained some level of musical consciousness and uh i they, so i love that he it's showing that scott now has to have support he needs help mm-hmm. and it's paralleling his story in the book where he he's in a very isolated, lonely spot. And that's what this book is developing is the idea of what really got him here, how Envy really messed with him, right? And she's not a good person, right, at (laughs) all. And Todd's not the boss here. It's Envy. Envy's Mm -hmm. the boss to me. And having to get over that, and in the next book, it starts in very happy times with Scott and Ramona because they've gotten through this together. And this is something that you have to get through, especially when you're a loserish 23-year-old who's got this very cool, mysterious, hot girlfriend, she's going to have a past, and that's hard for a lot of people to deal with, especially when they're dealing with their own past. Mm -hmm. So I do think they leveled it up because the Todd stuff is played for jokes, but he is a legitimate threat. Scott has to reach out and get help from everybody around him, and this is something that he's learning as a person through his relationship with Ramona, which is actually turning him into a better person in this book Uh, for I actually can relate to something you said there. Like, uh, I can't remember how old I was, 24 or 5 or something. And I dated this hot chick, mysterious girl for like a few months, a year maybe. And um, and I definitely had some of those insecurities that Scott had. Like she had some mysterious past or whatever, or was very elusive uh, about herself. And like, I definitely could say I relate to that whole thing back then like now i whilst i'd be interested i would have no time for it (laughs) so uh uh, now i'd be like man i've got work yeah you know i got a mortgage i don't i can't yeah i I ain't got i ain't got time to spend eight hours getting some shit from 10 years out of you like you you uh anyway um and i I love the flip side of it too ramona's trying to find out what happened to scott Right. Because mm-hmm. he's not open about what's happened. And so they're both discovering this about each other. And th- yeah, though you, you said it right. The insecurities, that's what they're both dealing with. And this they're going to come out of this a stronger couple. But trust me, it's uh, we still got a few books to go. So it's yeah. not. <laughs> Jasmine, what do you think about the, the boss is getting harder? Yeah, I like that it 
got drawn out. So we have that first like sequence where Scott gets thrown through a wall and then it's several little chapters before we get, you know, the the big, big fight. Um, so I like that it happens in phases versus like a one and done kind of thing. So I, I think that at least in the fighting sense, the progression of Scott fighting the evil exes is getting better. Um, and now I'm at the point where it's like, what stupid thing is going to happen when it's all over? <laughs> because last time it was the coins and it was just like, this is even enough for buff- bus fare. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it gets an extra life, which I thought was a cool yeah. twist. So. Yeah. I love the bit where he's like, it's scaring me. He's like, yeah. and in what book two, he gets like a plus two to his skateboarding skill. He's like, man, I never chose that. I can't use this item. It just goes away. <laughs> Uh, I, I I like the fact that the um, that Todd is throughout the book, and also what mm-hmm. he comes in at the end of book two. So I love that Todd is kind of got more of a, a build up, yeah. Um, as in we see him rather than in book one, it was like the letter, the email, and then three pages of fight. Uh, yeah. So I love that I love that Todd Todd and Scott have a battle sort of midway through before mm-hmm. the final battle at the end. And I think that's quite cool because that's very much TV and movies that you don't yeah. just show up and fight the villain at the end. You normally have a midway fight uh, and then, you you know, you lose the midway fight before the final final showdown. So I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Uh, this book uh, is littered with gags. <laughs> Do you have a favourite gag that runs through this book, Robbie? The vegan bit, man. Yes, the, yeah. the whole thing is that, like, he's got to go to this temple. There's like this secret <gasps> organization. It's like Scientology or something. Becoming yes, a- exactly. And yeah. just and and obviously he's not a vegan, you know. And then just just when he's like cheating on envy with the drummer, and then they come out of that place and like there's this bit where like they cut off her arm and her panties are still on the arm. Like, I think that's a fun little bit there too. But it's the vegan Todd thing. I that cracks me up so much and yes. it's probably the most offensive thing in the whole book <laughs> yeah. but it well, is yeah. so funny it's so funny because like honestly I, uh, there are so many times where it's like you meet a vegan and you know immediately that you've met a vegan because they're very happy to tell you that they're vegan oh and yeah, and yeah. It, they always like throw that kind of shame on you for like you're having a burger that's god that's horrible what's wrong with you yeah, <laughs> it even makes it better that he's also a bass player. So then yeah. there's like a bass battle or whatever, like bass battle fight. Yeah, <laughs> I'd lo- I'd love to sit there with vegans and tell them about all the protein they're missing out and how important that is for oh, their growth. They they <laughs> so, have answers for that, believe me. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they do have answers for that. So uh, yeah. I love it anyway. when those vegan police come in and they like have finger guns. Like <laughs> I thought that that was so stupid the first time I read it. I was like wait seriously <laughs> like finger <laughs> guns cool. and then cool. as i kept reading i was like no this is perfect it has to be finger guns like what else could it possibly be <laughs> tofu they're gonna throw tofu at you no vegan diet um, no vegan powers bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> um okay so throughout this book there's a theme I, I so i kind of was thinking about it with the theme of this book so i was trying to yeah okay we've got the video game aspect we've got mm-hmm. you know we have got the backstory of these characters but I was trying to actually break this down a little bit. I did do a bit of research here. It wasn't just all me here. So defeating, this is kind of why I came to. So defeating each boyfriend, to me, felt like defeating a kind of a part of a toxic past of your, of your past. So, you know, each boyfriend 
might represent a different personality trait uh, or potentially of your own. Because, you know, you, you said, Robbie, earlier in the book, uh, if you run into an ex-girlfriend, if you're still showing you're bothered about them and hung up on them and stuff like that. Um, so I just sort of, I kind of, that's what I kind of broke it down to. And you can see where Scott does defeat Todd and obviously uh, saying goodbye to Envy, how they're both of them as a couple are moving on and making progressions and saying goodbye to those things that are kind of weighing them down. Uh, and to me, it just feels like these, although these fights are very video gamey and comic booky, I feel like Scott and Ramona are both maturing with each fight. Um, and I just kind of wondered what you guys thought if, about themes and, and what maybe these these battles might represent on a, on a you know, bigger scale. Uh, Robbie, what about yourself? Well, you know, like we kind of touched on earlier, you know, when you when you enter into a new relationship with someone, <clears throat> you, you enter into a relationship with their past. Right. Yeah. And, and their world. And that's that can be a scary thing to discover. And sometimes it can be rather intimidating. Right. Like think about the movie Chasing Amy. Like that's yeah. what happens in that movie. This dude gets intimidated by his girlfriend's past. Right. And so Scott's kind of doing that. We're also seeing the side where Scott is like he's in a rut. Like Scott doesn't like himself. You know, that's why Scott doesn't make these progressions that he probably should at 23 years of age. And he is in the state of arrested development. And he's just he's and they reveal in here why it's because Envy completely like just wrecked this dude. Right. Like everything that happened with the band, the way that she turned and changed. And when you're I mean, that happens, too, especially at this age when people are still finding out who they are. Mm -hmm. Somebody will just change on you and that can either crush you or you can just kind of move on and grow from it. Scott got crushed, mm -hmm. right? So now mm -hmm. he has this opportunity for growth. And what I love about it, like who I was saying was, he needs the support of everybody around him. So to me, this book is about the infinite sadness that resulted in where we were at the beginning of book one. And it's showing him starting to make those steps to be a better person and to progress in his life. And it is heavily influenced by Ramona and heavily influenced by his friends, because he's finally listening and he's finally confronting some of that stuff that he's scared to confront on his own. And so him and Ramona, like you said, they grow as a couple. This is their first, we're, we're now officially after the honeymoon phase, right? In this one, there's tension in their relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And then by the end of it, because they've, they've banded together to defeat a common enemy, which is both of their exes, um, they, they, they grow as a couple and Scott's going to grow a little bit as a person until the next challenge comes along. And so this is four or five, right? Yeah. This is, the, <laughs> this is the story of a relationship developing and growing and how that corresponds to you developing at the same time, because the only way a relationship grows and blossoms is when you yourself are improving personally. Right. And agree, you do yeah. that with the support of other people. So that's what I think it's about. It's about, the infinite sadness, and how do we overcome that? We overcome that with each other. I think something I got told earlier in the year was you can't uh, change other people. What you can do is change yourself and make improvements on yourself. And to me, it feels like with Scott's defeat of each villain or each ex-boyfriend, it's kind of like his own progression. So I, I personally would like to see Scott progress outside of that hopefully as the books continue we'll see him get a job or some some form of actual direction that isn't around <laughs> ramona but i would like to see greater progression but i do feel that there's an element of his maturity starting to come through I, slightly <laughs> like but you know uh what about yourself jasmine 
Uh, I guess I don't, I don't see it that deep. I think he, his ability to work with other people has gotten better. So if that counts as maturing, then sure. But (laughs) I just, I just don't ever think of Scott Pilgrim and mature. Like, I don't think that they belong in the same sentence. (laughs) Maybe what, maybe one day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep reading and we'll find out. But, uh, no, I think he's definitely getting at least like Robbie said, like he, he's not like trying to do this whole lone wolf thing anymore. Um, so at least he's kind of open to the idea of needing help from other people. Last year, Robbie, we asked you, um, well, we, we all talked about it. Uh, the book's set around the mid-90s, and we said about favourite bands <laughs> in the 90s. This year, I thought I'd take the same question and say, what was some of your favourite 90s movies of this generation? 90s movies. Yeah, uh, my, my favourite 90s movies were Dazed and Confused, Pulp Fiction, Clerks, Small Rats. Um, I loved... The 90s were when I was getting into independent films, right? Going to the video store. I remember intentionally flipping over the back of movies. And and if it was written and directed by the same person, I would watch it. Like, I was, like, really pretentious about that, right? Like, I was like, this is written and directed by the same person. That means it's a more coherent vision. But that's that's what I was into. I was getting into Tarantino. (laughs) I was getting into Linklater. I was getting into Rodriguez. I was getting into Kevin Smith and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, all the big blockbuster stuff, too. I love I love the Batman movies. Uh, Batman Forever was a big deal to me in the '90s, uh, as well as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Um, but in the midst of that, like my favorite movies from that era are like the Tarantino, Linklater, Days of Confused, Pulp Fiction, and, and Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy. That 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 was my jam, especially back then. Fifth Element came out in the '90s. <laughs> What's that? I said Fifth Element came out in the '90s. Oh yeah, and Fifth Element's a good one too. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Men in Black came out in the 90s. That was a big one. Yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've re- the last two episodes we reviewed all four Men in Blacks. So oh, I'm sorry, y'all. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 were sorry to have reviewed the fourth one. We yeah. we definitely were. Uh, don't worry. One. Last night we just talked about all three of the the final three Silent Night Deadly Night films, and uh, those are all weird stretches. So uh oh. <laughs> is it the tr- was it the Truman Show came out in the 90s? Yeah. I yeah. like one in the '90s, uh, around the time the Truman Show. It was Matthew McConaughey won Ed TV. Do y'all remember that? Yes, I loved. I didn't see that. Loved that one. Loved it. Total Recall, Independence Day. Oh, The Matrix. That came out in 1999, right at the very end. Oh yeah, <laughs> can't forget The Matrix. Yeah, I remember. That. I remember that. Oh, Fight Club. Fight Club, American Beauty. See, uh, the only film I can think of that kind of reminds Scream. me of Scott Pilgrim from the '90s is Empire Records. I love yeah. Empire Records. That, that's literally as I wrote this question. That's what I thought about was Empire Records. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I remember watching Empire Records in the nineties. I was fucking dying. I literally was <laughs> laughing so hard watching that. Like I remember watching that film for the first time um, with my parents, and it was kind of a weird moment in our lives where I was able to laugh at the jokes in the film, knowing what they meant. <laughs> where my where my parents also knew what they meant. And I remember there was one line where the guy goes off to uh, gets arrested, and the guy says, "Oh, don't drop the soap." And I was fucking dying. I'm like, <laughs> and then my and then my dad was laughing because I was laughing, and then my mum was like, "What?" And she, he went, "I just find it weird that my son also gets this joke." <laughs> so like, like, like you know, obviously for years you can you can watch things like The Simpsons where the, <clears throat> the jokes are like two way, like the kids mm-hmm. kids get them one way and the adults get them another, and 
Uh, no, I, I loved Empire Records. That, that Empire Records, I think, has very much got tone and similarities to Scott Pilgrim itself. I think yeah, to me. Yeah. So, it's and when you talk about movie, the actually, man, it, they got cut. It got cut to shit too. And I think that the, I remember there a, there was a DVD I think I had that had a bunch of extra scenes put back in it mm-hmm. or something that really kind of balanced that out. But man, I love that bit when the dude who's obsessed with Guar gets put bro he gets eaten or what I, I empire records is really cool was it rex manning day oh yes. rex manning day yeah uh-huh. i remember one time in my early 20s when i was dating my uh, ramona in my life um she, one of her favorite movies was empire records but every time we watched it when liv tyler like shows like takes off her shirt or dress or whatever like it always bothered her and she always had to make mention that it's just such an important day to her she's there to throw herself at rex manning but her panties and her bra don't match oh that's just reminded me of like someone yeah like i dated early 20s and they were like i made the effort to 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 wear matching underwear yeah but listen it is a big deal okay because a lot of times you got to buy those pieces separate and shit at 21 that's expensive yeah saying (laughs) it's rex manning day you know you figure like this is like you're gonna bring out the best of the best right yeah (laughs) <laughs> the best of the best, the best of the best with honors. Right. Sorry, men in black. Joke. Men in black. Uh, yeah. <laughs> men in black on the brain. Right. So, uh, luckily, we didn't make ourselves watch a cartoon show. But anyway, bring the book club to a close. I think we talked about Scott Pilgrim Volume Four for way long enough. Three, Volume uh, Three, Volume Three. Sorry, Volume Three uh, for way long enough. Overall, I would say I liked it. I probably didn't love it. I preferred volumes one and two to volume three, but I did enjoy it. I loved, I did love the development of it. And just Robbie overall, just, just summarize. Well, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I, I love the progression of the series. I think it strengthened. I think it tightened in the story. I think it developed the characters and the world of the characters better. Um, and that's what this book is going to do. And I love that it takes its time to build this. You know, he had a plan when he started that we're, we're going to get there we're going to take our time to do it, right? Uh, nowadays, it wouldn't even happen because if your book, you know, books get canceled so quickly nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I love the, the time that he took to develop it and it's starting to come to fruition here for me. I really love the, del- the going deeper into Scott's past, building Ramona up, strengthening that relationship, having a big trial that both of them have to go through together. And then that's just set up for what's to come. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that they've just been getting better. I liked this one, but I did not enjoy it as much as the first ones. I think the first two, the dialogue is more relatable to me. Um, So I just kind of enjoyed reading the first two a little bit more than I enjoyed reading this one, but I did enjoy the action more in this one. Um, I liked, I guess, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't place it when I was reading it, but when Robbie said that the drawing itself, like the art itself got a bit tighter, I think that's probably why I enjoyed just like the visuals in this one, even though it was in black and white, the visuals in this one are, are better. So it was a more entertaining read, but I still, I think I laughed a lot more reading the first two than I did reading this one. Yeah. Um, so Robbie, before we go, do you, this episode is going to come out. I know we're recording on Sunday. This episode will come out on Wednesday, uh, which is only a couple of days. So it's a few days before the end of, well, before Christmas. But do you have anything planned for pop culture philosophers to see out the rest of the year and for early next year? Yeah, um, all of our, a lot of our shows are on hiatus right now, but PCP Movie Night returns January 9th with They Live, John Carpenter's They Live. I'm excited for that. But we do have our Festivus stream 
coming up uh, on Friday, December 23rd. It's our fifth annual Festivus stream. Uh, join me and the excitable PCP crew as we air our grievances, show our feats of strength, and gather around the Festivus pole for a good holiday fun time. Well, like, do you want to just tell us a little bit more what about Festivus? Like, when you say the holiday pole, what do, what do you do with it? It's it's just it's a and it's an aluminum pole instead of a Christmas tree. That's all it is. You never no, seen I mean, an episode of Seinfeld? Yeah, Seinfeld. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't seen it. <laughs> all right, you got to watch for the rest of us. Yeah, you got to uh, watch the episode of Seinfeld called "The Strike," and you'll, okay. you'll understand it. It's a, yeah, it's, okay. a it's a it's a it's a holiday created by George Costanza's father mm -hmm. to go against the commercialization of Christmas. So instead right, okay. of a Christmas tree, you just have an aluminum pole. And I, I have a, a legit aluminum pole that we took from a construction site. <laughs> I have a legit aluminum pole that I like to use. Uh, you air your grievances. So everything that pissed us off in the year, we'll, we'll just, and it's, that's always our favorite bit. Like, of course, it's time to just unleash the beast. Right. And then we share feats of strength, which is just because in the, in the lore, the, the Festivus doesn't end until you pin the host, right. In a wrestling match or something like that. Right. <laughs> So we're not going to wrestle, obviously. So what we do is we show our feats of strength with our best pickups of the year. Well, you know, whether it's toys or comics or or whatever, you know. So we, it's a little bit of a sh uh, glorified show and tell. Mm -hmm. The audience votes on who was the the most feats of strength, and then uh, oh, okay. and then we could. It's it's a good fun time. You should watch watch the Seinfeld episode, The Strike, before before Friday, yeah. the twenty third. You'll understand everything. Okay. It's the so, Bible yeah. of Festivus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will try. I've never seen any Seinfeld. Seinfeld. So one day. Um, anyway, so we had no book club throughout this year because uh, unfortunately uh, life happened. Mm -hmm. We did do what we could with Geeks Unleashed. Uh, I think we did pretty well, actually. To be yeah, honest. we turned it around. Uh, yeah, yeah, we turned it around. I think the first half of the year was lacking and then September onwards we've done well. So yeah. Uh, there was no book club other than this one. We knew we couldn't miss the Geeks and Niche Christmas, Christmas special. special. That, is Scott, that is Scott Pilgrim. So I did say to Jasmine, even though there's no book club we've got, we're going to make sure we bring <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. We will be back with the book club. We we have early had some early-ish discussions. There will be more regulatory uh, episodes of Late to the Party. So don't worry. We'll chat about it over the Christmas and come up with a plan and, and okay. you'll hear from us. But thanks for listening. This is going to be the final episode at all of Geeks and Niche in 2020, but we will be back. Um, this episode is going to come out after we've gone live on Instagram, but if you haven't already watched it, you can go back and watch. We're going to do a little live episode on Instagram, so which is where we are, Geeks Unleashed, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we're everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and watching. Yeah. Good journey. And, join, and joining, Robbie. <laughs> of course, man. Station. Pop, pop, boom. Boom.